Have you ever wondered how successful architecture, engineering, and construction companies scale their business? Or have you ever wanted guidance on how to get more growth, wealth, and freedom from your AEC company? Well, then you're in luck. Hi, I'm Will Forat. And I'm Justin Nagel, and we're your podcast hosts. We interview successful AEC business leaders to learn how they use people, process, and technology to scale their businesses. So sit back and get ready to learn from the industry's best. This is Building Scale. Hey listeners, it's Will here. Our mission is to help the AEC industry protect itself by making technology easy. If you've ever listened to our show, then you know that the three pillars of scaling a business are people, process, and technology. So if you suspect technology is your weak link, then book a call with us to see where we can help maximize your company's IT and cybersecurity strategy. Just go to buildingscale.net slash help. Today's guest is Kurt Norton. Kurt is the Executive Vice President and Chief Technical Officer of Strang, Inc. Kurt's work experience cuts across the AEC community. He has worked in the field as a carpenter, personally renovated houses and rental properties, worked in various levels of construction project management, has done construction contract administration and written specifications for over 15 years. Kurt is currently a principal of Strang and is responsible for the firm's accounting and finance departments. He also works closely with Strang's IT department, working to move the firm to a digital platform, including the implementation of Autodesk Construction Cloud and other construction administrative services. His past employers have included general contractors, subcontractors, design builders, AE firms, and commercial real estate developers. Kurt has been on the board of directors for the Madison, Wisconsin chapter of the Construction Specification Specifications uh, Institute over 20 years. Uh, He has served in various roles such as president, VP, director, newsletter editor, web coordinator, uh, and for Strang, they were established in 1935, so just a little bit ago, uh, and is an award-winning integrated architecture, engineering, interior design, and planning firm. Uh, with all that said, Kurt, welcome, welcome to, the, to show. the show. Well, thanks a lot, guys. I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks for having I us. I should have just said specs. It's so much easier to say specs than the full spell out of it. It's kind of like information technology. Nobody says it that way. It's specs. Specification. Yeah. Specification, True. specification. There we go. That came all out. So uh, I said all this cool stuff about you. You've had uh, an abundance of experience in the industry. So tell us about how you got started uh, and tell us about strength. Sure. Well, you know, so my path to construction and architecture was kind of a strange one. I was really planning on going to med school when I started college. Um, and then in a in an effort to try and um, make a little extra money, I took some time off and started working construction. And a few years later, um, ended up on a path where I wasn't so sure that med school was actually the best route for me and was kind of impressed by the options presented in the construction industry. And so I, I did, I made a, a major pivot. I had uh, met with a counselor on campus and found out we had a construction administration program at UW-Madison and uh, made the switch and never looked back after that. So yeah, that's uh, kind of how I got there. Um, Of course, I graduated during a recession and there were no construction jobs. So fortunately, I was already working as a carpenter part-time as part of my college uh, 
paying through paying my way through college. And so they kept me on and let me keep working. Um, like mentioned, worked at a lot of different places. Um, but after bouncing around a bit, um, I did land at Strang. And um, so, yeah, we here at Strang, we've got a um, team of just all integrated uh, disciplines. There we go. Uh, architects, engineers, uh, we do all MEP ourselves. And so we deliver this kind of holistic uh, process because uh, we also have interior design. We do low voltage. And as you mentioned, we've been around 88 years. Um, we've been an integrated firm with engineers um, for 78 of those years. And so this is something that's just kind of in our DNA is uh, working on projects like that where we can bring all the uh, disciplines together. Yeah, it's super uh, intriguing when you bring in these different disciplines into one uh, under one roof, uh, because in the industry, right, they're super collaborative. Like that is effectively how the industry works. Um, but when you do it all in-house, it does come with some benefits, certainly, but also some challenges because there's uniqueness to the individuals in each of the A, E, and C kind of spaces. So what was intriguing uh, when we first met uh, I saw that your your title said CTO, which now I know is not technology; it's technical. Um, but what does CTO for Strang mean? What is what is that role for you uh, kind of entail? Very, you bet. So for for us, I'm the technical guy in the creative company, right? You know, we've got tons of really creative people, and it helps to have a better design when they know how things go together, what you can do, what's constructible, what's not. And um, so that's part of what I've brought into the architecture community with my background in construction, because I have been out there framing and pouring concrete and you name it. Um, so I've seen that. And so I can work with them to help deliver a design with details that really work and make sure the contractor actually gets a better uh, set of documents to build off of. No, that makes sense. So, yeah. Uh Oh, yeah, I was gonna say you, you do have a love for tech, though, correct? Oh yes, yes, that's very true. Um, I've dabbled with it throughout my career. Uh, the first architecture firm that I worked at, I actually dabbled in um, Microsoft Access and uh, built a whole database um, to try to track a, a major project we were doing back then, and uh, it, it was very successful for the team. Uh, bless you for using access. Uh, I did that uh, at one point in my career. I had no idea what I was doing, by the way, um, to mm -hmm. essentially make a uh, makeshift CRM, which is essentially what I was doing. Uh, and it, it was very complicated on my end when I was doing it. But I also had no real concept of what I was doing. So that happens. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. We actually did something similar too. We um, we had a bit of a CRM system. Um, in order to get that built, we actually worked with a consultant so that it was kind of a shared responsibility thing. And I managed it and modified it to fit our firm. And uh, so, yeah, it was a great experience, but there was definitely some um, some maintenance that went with using access. Yeah, I would say. Uh, one of the things that you we talked about in the pre-interview was change management. And it's kind of a super important part of the industry. Um, what does that look like at Strang? Well, so we've made a few changes since I arrived here um, because we were mostly tracking things through spreadsheets. And um, although you can do that when you get to be a larger firm, 
it gets to be that much harder. And the bigger the project, the more complicated. So uh, we've looked at a couple different platforms that we could use to help track all of those services during uh, construction administration phase. And um, although Autodesk has some intriguing tools, they've um, also had some challenges because of the way they were built for contractors. And so we ended up settling on a, on a product from a company called Part3. They're out of Canada and founders are uh, uh, some people who are in tech and architecture, really understand the needs during that construction phase. And so we implemented their software uh, just about two years ago. And uh, it's, it's made a huge difference in our ability to track um, submittals, our FIs, cost changes on projects, and uh, just reduce the amount of labor it takes to do that work. Um, so the industry's been burnt by software uh, over the years. Um, how did they take to part, you know, how did your people take to part three uh, when it was introduced? Well, we had a few people who didn't like the change. Of course, you know, just happens. Um, yep. But what was interesting is is that we found a we, we started out just testing it with a small group, um, you know, a couple engineers, an architect, and a construction administrator. And then after going through the project a ways, they'd get assigned to their next project and find out it wasn't in part three. And then they'd be complaining, well, why aren't we putting all of our projects in part three? So then as other co-workers started to hear about this, um, it, it started to spread. And so the final implementation across the company was actually relatively seamless. I won't say it was truly seamless. There were hiccups and, and that, but yeah, the adoption was honestly better than I expected. So. And you did have some naysayers, uh, at least uh, in the beginning of the process, right? Oh yes. Yeah. Um, so I'd say the majority of the people that really weren't excited about it um, were probably in the 45 to 50 and up group. Um, we had one that was in a younger bracket because they were trying to make it into something it wasn't meant to be, um, complaining about markup tools in the beginning, but we're doing some middles and RFIs. You don't need to be uh, creating a masterpiece uh, um, detail in your responses. So yeah, um, we worked through it showed them how much it could save them time and simplify their life. And so we eventually got all the, all the um, folks on board. And, and honestly, by the time we were three, three months into a company-wide uh, implementation, we really didn't have any complaints anymore. So uh, you involved your people um, in the process and it's good that you kind of piloted you had a pilot group to start out with so there was a little bit of organic hey I want to I want to check this out too which which was great right yes. um and like I kind of talked about before the industry's been burnt by a ton uh by the software industry however today's been better what have you seen change over the years just to make it true especially with your experience with part three um what have you seen kind of change over the years? from before when people get, you know, when companies were getting burned versus now. Sure. So some of the things from the older software that I recall, um, out of the box, usually you had to do a lot of work to customize it to fit your processes, or you had to change all your processes to fit their uh, software, right? So you, it was one or the other, depending on which software. Um, 
today I'm seeing a lot more stuff that comes out of the box that's pretty much ready to use, but still has some good options for customizing things. Um, it's certainly nice working with a company that is still considered a startup and you can, you know, reach out and I can talk to the founders and say, hey, you know, this is a problem we're seeing. Can you do something about it? And they're like, oh, yeah, we didn't think of that. So you bet we'll take a look at it. Um, you know, Autodesk doesn't do that for me. <laughs> yeah, they're they're the 800, maybe 1200 pound gorilla in the room uh, that's unless you're another 1200 pound gorilla, they just don't, they don't move. So yeah. I totally understand. Um, so why don't you talk a little bit about your journey uh, and sort of the benefits that you saw of implementing kind of the contract administration software uh, that you've done already? Sure. So a couple of years ago, we actually had two uh, full-time admin folks that helped track things during construction. Uh, logging stuff in, logging stuff out, keeping track of who was late and all those things. And so it was a very manual, labor-intensive process. Um, and then as we started implementing some of these uh, software options, uh, we had slow. I think we slowed down a little bit and uh, got down to one admin person. And then that person was just wildly busy in, in phases. You know, you get through a couple months of a big project and they'd be buried and then you calm down a little bit. Um, but now we're at a point where this, uh, the admin component of, of that for our firm is um, closer to 50% um, FTE. And we have that person working on other things in the office now and uh, being, you know, more, uh, being able to contribute more in other ways besides just, um, sending around emails and filling out spreadsheets. So obviously there was a cost component. Um, did you look at it directly as, did you know that it was going to save that that amount of time? Uh, and how did you really make that decision about, uh, or was it just, there's the human aspect of, it's just overwhelming. And the more humans you put into it, just the more mistakes, the more that type of stuff happens. Sure. You know, it, it was a little hard to track all of the time and do a proper time study on this. But from having used those spreadsheets personally, um, I knew what kind of effort went into them. And I knew that the quality of data that we could extract out of them was um, not great and certainly made it difficult if I ever had to go back and backtrack and search for something. Um, so part of it was just Intuitive, I could tell it was going to save us a lot of time down the road. Um, I guess in in some regards, it paid off more than I expected. Um, as far as labor savings, that part was was better than I expected. But yeah, I just knew that you know quality of product and uh, retrievability was going to be dramatically better. So you had already experienced. Um effectively doing the tasks, right? Like you were already like hands-on into that. Um, a lot of times when, you know, especially as you grow and you, you, you all have grown, you get a little bit too removed from that. So it makes it harder to, to kind of see, you know, see the actual, Hey, this is, this thing is good. Like this is going to be good because I know, like I, I instinctually know um, for leaders that aren't necessarily or haven't in a while actually touched the day-to-day -day process of something, 
um, it can be difficult to say like, oh, this piece of software will be good because I know reporting takes forever, in- entering takes forever, all these things take forever. What, like when you go to your, you know, your partners and say, hey, like we should implement whatever the solution is, um, is that, you know, them believing in you and like saying like, well, you, you're, you've kind of put your hands in all everything, or is it like you having to walk them through like, Hey, this is the process that currently happens. And this is why there's such a big, you know, a big place for productivity to be enhanced with technology. So I think it's a little bit of all of those. Okay. <laughs> uh, some of that first sell to the board um, was definitely based on experience and, and trust of uh, them in me and my bat, my past experience. Um, but also at the same time, you know, we stepped into this. We just bought one seat. We test drove it with a couple different projects, made sure it actually worked before we um, tried to move the whole company to it. And then by that time, we had more than just my anecdotal information. We had the people on the front lines who are doing the work telling me, oh, my goodness, this is just so much better. I would love to do this company wide. And so then that made it easier to try to sell it. Um, because then I had frontline information and and that's really what happened too. And the next stage as we started to implement is like, I couldn't keep up with all of those pieces and parts. And I had to rely on that frontline um, employee information to tell me, okay, what's working, what's not, what should we talk to the founders about? Do we need to, you know, make any changes? So yeah, to me, it's about trusting your frontline folks. No, that makes lots of sense. Obviously, um, I'm sure we'll talk more about operating systems, but um, when you let go of the vine or when you you know delegate and elevate and let people do do the work, it allows you to do other higher leverage things. So that makes tons of sense. Yes, absolutely. So uh, there's been a lot of talk in the industry about AI. Um, what does AI look like for straying? Has it been even considered? But I mean, and anybody right now would be foolish not to be considering it. Uh, I, I think, um, and we concur a thousand percent, Kurt. So don't <laughs> worry about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and so a bunch of us have dabbled in things like you know Chat GPT, and we've looked at um, generative software. An example of that is that um, our company does something every summer we call Steam Camp. Um, it's STEM, but with an A for arts. So science, technology, engineering, arts, and math, I believe. And uh, so we work with a, a local uh, group and help some kids out that uh, are maybe in some disadvantaged situations and expose them to different programs. And as a part of our program this past summer, um, we brought kids in and they had a bunch of uh, materials they could try to build a model with of a, of a specific type of design, right? So then we took images of this, dumped it into uh, AI software, and it generated um, images of what that building could look like or that that design could look like, and the kids just ate it up. Um, so yeah, we we definitely are, are looking at ways that it can be used um, from from a design perspective, or whether it's even just you know the iterative design type stuff where you're trying to test out. Um, uh, building on a site, right? Like test fit. That's super cool. Uh, w- one, the, the positive impact initiative that you're doing uh, with kids, that's super cool. And then also using it in 
and I, I say like real business sense, obviously I, I understand that they're, they're not your designers, uh, obviously, but it is a test. It's a little taste, right? Of like, okay, so if this, these kids can do this at this level, what could our architects do? Like what, what are places that like, oh no, this could totally become a, a much larger thing that we can utilize a tool that would be super beneficial to the company. So that's one. And I don't know if you've thought of it that way. I certainly, that was the first thing I thought of. I'm like, oh yeah, test it on the kids in the, in the best way, not in a weird way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. But uh, you know, give them something awesome, such a cool experience with, uh, with uh, stream. Um, and uh, then also like get a little bit of, oh, this is an, this is an interesting uh, way that we could maybe think about the business as a whole. So awesome. I love yeah, the concept yeah. of steam. Uh, mm-hmm. love the concept of steam and bringing that sort of education, education in, especially mixing it in, uh, with AI, because that's kind of like introducing them to modern or even kind of at the very edge technologies by the time they actually get into the uh, workforce, uh, you know, they'll have probably more experience than the adults that are, that are in the industry. <laughs> yeah, that certainly could be. Um, so uh, the ideation program, you want to talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, sure. So something that we've had for years at Strang, um, it has certainly gone in waves of how much time and energy went into it. Um, when I first joined the firm a little over nine years ago, it was a fairly strong program. Um, but what we do is we give our staff uh, up to 5% of their hours a year to be able to um, spend time on, you know, something a little different to whether it be um, in a design competition for some of our uh, emerging professionals. And um, we had uh, an art exhibit that one of our architects put together uh, for the local uh, Metropolitan Museum of Contemporary Art. And so, yeah, it's a chance to explore just a different side of things. Um, We've done a variety of things like guitar lessons, um, you know, just expanding uh, people's experiences. And so, yeah, and we've been doing some tweaking of it, trying to refine it and find ways that uh, we can also explore options that could also feed back and help the company, you know, things like AI and dealing with some of those technologies as well, but it's certainly a chance for people to uh, just expand their horizons and try something a little different and run some tests or whatever. And when we put it together with a feedback loop so that we'll have like a, a pinup session where we can walk around lobby and see the projects people have done and find out what they learned. I don't know if people are hearing this, but the way I'm hearing this, this is a semi-formalized innovation program. This is there's a way because you're allowing 5% is actually a lot of time in a year. A time. That's a huge amount of time. So 5% in a year um, dedicated for a company dedicated towards innovation. Um, I mean, that's definitely a way to sort of leap into next phases of growth into next phases of scaling, right? You need to have some innovation at some point, you know, whatever you, innovated thus far it has a limit right it has a, it has oh, yeah. a ceiling right and yep. obviously having it formalized like that um i think that also gives way for even creating trust within an organization because you're essentially saying i'm making room you know as an organization you're being conscious of it 
which I think in turn, I think that, tell me if I'm wrong, but I suspect that re returns 10 or even 100 fold back to Strang uh, in all kinds of different ways. AI being one of those things that I think came out of this, right? Sure. Yeah. And 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 you're right. There, there's so many different things that come out of it. I mean, it gives people a chance to try and lead a project that they have not had the chance to lead a project before. Uh, it gives them chances to practice presenting in front of people when maybe they didn't do a lot of that in their normal day-to-day -day job, you know, because they're presenting what they did for their ideation project. Um, it is just something different that you get to do. And uh, we really do try to take good care of our people. Um, we've been really fortunate overall to not have um, as high a turnover rate from voluntary uh, departures as uh, other firms in our area. So yeah, I, I think that uh, everybody wins with this. And honestly, I think it'd be nice if we actually got more people to do it because although we offer 5%, we certainly don't get that kind of participation across the company. All right. I mean, well, listen, Strangers, uh, if that's what you call them, get your yeah. 5% in or get more in than you're currently <laughs> doing. Just do some more because one, it's fun. Two, uh, this is where innovation comes from. And three, like this is a, a piece of the culture. Uh, I think that uh, people often look at leadership to be like, oh, culture, 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 culture. But culture also comes from within the, each individual, right? So um, this is a great way yes. to to kind of like really nurture that culture that you want at Strang and um, you're given this grand opportunity. So, uh, I, and, and Kurt didn't pay me to say that. This is just how I feel. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, thank you. So, so, so get it done or, or like, or, Hey, ask Kurt and say, Hey, I'm interested in doing something. What, what, what are possibilities out there or what are some ideas? I'm sure he, he'd be happy to help. I mean, this is yeah, room for experimentation, which really is room for failure. Right. Uh, and so, yeah. You know, being able to allowing someone to fail, uh, you know, and I'm sure in my opinion, there's a lot more learned from failures than there are from successes. Mm -hmm. So giving the room, a 5% room for failure is humongous, right? So it's no wonder that you have less churn. Uh, and because I think it also builds trust and going, hey, you can go do something and it's okay that you fail, but at least we learned something out of it. Maybe it's a path that we were considering. And we're not going to, or maybe it's a path we're considering, not quite the way you were you were looking at it, but there's something that came out of it, like a better way to do something, right? So, uh, yeah. and that is sort of the innovation cycle right there. Innovation is a whole bunch of failure. People, I don't know if people understand this, but innovation is like 99% failure and that 1% what's really moves the needle. Yeah, you bet. Because you have to find out all those ways you can't light a light bulb, right? Yeah. <laughs> Found ten thousand ways how to how to not create a light bulb. You just need one, nope. right? No, for sure. Um, and and when you think of like certainly big big tech companies, Google has a, a some form of this uh, kind of thing. Um, and this is where they find and again in their case they find totally new products that they're able to then capitalize upon. Um, so giving your people more ownership on an idea is uh, it, it's super fulfilling for anybody that's a string. So. Get 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 going, Strangers. Uh, is that what you call them, or you just call them the yeah, team? Yeah, no, we do. We, we do use okay. that phrase. Call Look at that. And that I don't think you've said that during here, so that is it. Just makes sense. So, um, hey everybody, Justin here. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. As you know, Will and I are business nerds and love talking to leaders who've scaled their businesses using people, 
process and technology. If that's something that gets you all jazzed up too, then do me a favor and hit the subscribe button. Don't forget to hit the little bell so you get notified every time we drop a sweet new episode. And if you know somebody who'd be an awesome guest on the show, send them our way. Just go to buildingscale.net slash guest. Now, back to the episode. Good on that. So uh, talking about people, talking about growth, uh, you had a, a good clip of growth uh, more recently. Uh, let's talk about that. Uh, I, I believe it was in the last few years here, a good amount of growth that happened uh, for you. What what did that look like? How did that affect culture? Um, what did hiring look like? Kind of talk to us about all that stuff. Sure. So we actually saw um, some pretty strong growth around 2014-15. Mm-hmm. Um, our firm had been uh, reduced in size a bit after the Great Recession. And uh, we were rebuilding a little bit back then. That's when around the time when I joined. Um, and so in like one year, we added 20 people or 40% of our staff. Um, and then we kind of had some slight growth for a few years. And then COVID hit. And um, we had about a two, three week period where we thought we might be on the verge of laying some people off. And a couple of projects came in literally the next day. And um, so we actually started hiring people. And then so every year at our uh, holiday party, we have a a slide where we show, you know, all the people that joined the firm since the last year. And of course, with COVID, we didn't have that event for like a year and a half. So when we finally put the slide together to show all the people that had joined, it was just it was crazy. We had gone um, and hired like 25 different people during that stretch. So we have, we, we were so fortunate and grew. Um, we were just shy of 80 people, I think at our peak um, during that stage. And um, we're a little less than that right now, um, unfortunately, but um, you know, the future's looking good. And I think what it did is it kind of exposed that we had some good processes, but we didn't have them well documented. And so it did challenge us when it came time to, bring on that new person and say, oh, this is how we do it. And so we spent a lot of time with onboarding and direct support. And um, yeah, so that kind of led us down a path of needing to figure out some some better ways to handle all those things. And what were those ways to handle those things? <laughs> sure. Well, so when I first joined Strang, we've had a long history of putting together a three-year strategic plan. It was at that time a, a very grassroots effort, and um, a lot of good things came out of those plans. Um, not everything got accomplished, of course, but um, there were some good ideas. And when I joined the firm, my suggestion was that we really should take a look at you know the business as a whole, use some data to figure out where we're missing things and where we should improve to make ourselves better, and. Um, so it, it took a little time. I volunteered to be on the committee to help run strategic planning. And then uh, we went through a couple different plans uh, where I was involved. And we managed to kind of shift gears a little bit and get more input from uh, the principals as to where they wanted to take the company. And then uh, about a year and a half ago, we were talking about our strategic plan again. And uh it was mentioned that, well, you know, every once in a while we might bring in a consultant to help us with this and, and refocus where we're at it. So one of the uh, principals and I went out and um, followed up on some leads, an old uh, 
colleague and mentor of mine was one of the people we talked to and a couple other people we got referred to and we stumbled onto EOS. And that started a whole journey that um, it's been, I think, about 14 months we've been in that process. And it has really helped uh, get us focused and, and transforming things. And it's not surprising why you reduced in staff size. Uh, anyone that goes through this process within those first two years, it's like almost a guarantee that that will happen. Uh, so kudos to you for starting on EOS and recognizing a formalizing sort of your processes around just managing uh, and kind of how you guys operate. Uh, we've talked a lot about EOS just inherently from, uh, on the podcast in many different ways. And yeah. what I can say just out of personal experience, it's like a big weight that gets lifted from, from the company uh, and from individuals when it gets, when you start seeing that process get implemented with the right people, right seats, uh, et cetera. Like it's huge. So you're 14 months in, um, wait till you go another 14 months of implementing this. You'll be like, what were we doing 14 months ago? That makes no sense. Right. Yep. Yep. So, okay. uh, world changes uh, are happening. Um, so kudos to you. Um, you know, speaking of, um, the, the big, one of the big things is, uh, kind of what your target is, right? Your BHAG uh, it would be right. sort of the uh, scaling up version in EOS. It's the 10-year or 20-year target. What does that look like? Yeah, for us, uh, it's really about uh, having a growth mindset, right? Nothing crazy. Um, but we're looking at having like five different locations across country. And we've gone a little deeper in trying to define what those um, offices might look like and really make sure that they are um, baked into the community that they end up in. Currently, we have offices in Madison and Waukesha, Wisconsin, and um, we, we do get involved in the communities we're in and we find other locations at some point in time that are appropriate and will want to do the same thing and make sure that it's a community-centered people focused type of uh, location. So yeah, we set some new goals for uh, for revenue and profit and staff numbers. And so that's our, that's where our 10 year target is set. Love it. Love, love the, uh, love the, love the view. Um, Justin, I think you had something. Yeah. What? So obviously 14 months in, um, we're, I think we're in year five uh, at spot for EOS. So I'm trying to think back to four, you know, a year, a little over a year in. What are, I guess my question would be, what are some of the things that you've seen already a benefit from? Like, you know, where is it process stuff? Is it structure stuff? Like, where are some, like, you're already like, oh, wow. Like this is, I, I every time we had a quarterly or a vision day or a, a focus day, um, afterwards one usually a little tired but then two super energized and excited because it was like all these ahas that occurred especially in the beginning like what are some of those ahas that you found well you know there, there's been several of them truthfully <laughs> yeah um but you know a few of them are actually just coming together as a leadership group and having a plan right something we're working for and then breaking it down into those pieces of, okay, what are the most important things we do? 
and which of those needs to um, be improved, right? Um, so that, that's been key. Um, of course, I mentioned that we've been around for 88 years. You brought that up. Um, mm -hmm. And we're very interested in having the company be here for, you know, another 88 or more years. And so we're planning for the future. We've added principals to our uh, leadership team. We currently have seven. Uh, when I joined the firm, there were four and one of those retired. Um, and so, yeah, we're looking to the future. And now this helps us all take on um, areas of the business that we can be accountable for and just divide that up. So we're not all trying to solve every problem that comes to the table, right? By using yeah, that no. whole accountability chart system. Yeah, accountability chart for sure. Uh, having individuals accountable. Um, I've... Uh, I've thought that philosophy for a long time. So one person has to be accountable, even if they need help from others. Like you need to have one person that's in charge of a, a thing. So there's no miscommunication of like, I thought they were doing it. They were doing it. No, no, no. It's one person. So that makes tons of sense. Um, so when we look at some of those seats, obviously you're, you sit in on the leadership team, but you're in the accounting finance seat there. It'd be my guess. Again, that's a, that's just assumption based on <laughs> you running the department. Um, uh, I know that you had mentioned that uh, marketing being a being a, a big push here, uh, if it's for your year plan or if it's for this quarter, uh, or you know, or if it's in the three year plan, whatever it looks like. What what is what are some of those processes that you're starting to build out for that? Yeah, so really, because of the way the market is changing right now and the impacts of the economy, we um, we had our one day marketing uh, retreat, kind of mm -hmm. coming up with a game plan within marketing for the year really looked at uh, understanding the marketplace, what is growing, what isn't growing, if there are areas where we should be focusing more of our attention, and just really try to have some informed decisions about where we put our efforts. Um, we have an opening for our uh, Waukesha office for a, a BD person that uh, we may be filling here uh, very soon, hopefully, and that'll kind of bring the whole team together. So that was obviously one of our goals is to get that person on board. Um, and then, yeah, just making sure that we all are on the same page about where we're headed with the marketing effort so that it matches our corporate goals. Does, uh, sorry, go ahead, continue. Oh, I'm saying, and, and just building that foundation, right? Because then we can work off of it as we need to in the future. For sure. Does, obviously, now that you have more of a 10-year target, three-year plan, one-year plan, is that, has that alleviated uh, some of the stress, uh, some of the uncertainty when it comes to one, your marketing and sales department, but also in the other departments uh, across the board? It, it it does to a point because now we know what we're working for towards. So if something comes up that doesn't help us achieve that, it's easier to say, well, maybe we don't worry about that right now. You know, um, could be something that's still important uh, for a different reason, but yeah, yeah, it really does. It helps keep us all aligned. And, you know, if it doesn't meet our values and it doesn't meet our, our goals as a company, then it's easy to just uh, let it go. I think that's the beauty of, and again, EOS in this situation, having a system in place that kind of points you towards that North Star and having a real commonality for the entire team, right? So everybody knows like that's where we're headed. You individually have an effect in this space. So how do you keep adding to that to get us closer to that that end goal and that end vision? 
there's uh, inherent beauty to that. So for anybody that's listening that isn't throwing the stick out, you know, 10 years or, you know, wait way out for a big vision, it's probably an activity that you want to start having just because it makes the uncertainty of like, what should I do this quarter? What should I do this month? What should I do this week? It actually clears up those problems um, because like everybody wants to grow generally. Like, most people are like, yeah, I want to grow. But it's like, well, what does that actually mean? Like, you know, because there's growth is in like, hey, we're going to we're going to grow exponentially. We're going to, you know, get some some bank or PE money. And like literally we're just going to acquire, you know, 20 companies over the next five years. Uh, that's that's a path of growth. But it's also, hey, we're going to organically grow this market or organically grow this particular service. And I think that having a bigger picture makes that a lot more easy, certainly from a sales and marketing seat. Definitely. Yeah, you bet. Well, and it, it really helps within all of our categories because we've got people, we've got technology, we've got finance. And so, yeah, each of those, you know, have to look at it a little differently. If we're going to grow, we need more staff. So we need to take care of our people with the HR group. You know, we have to have mentorship programs, paths for a career growth. And so, yeah, it really does help every one of those groups focus on what's important. Yeah. And then the same uh, to go back to, we talked about technology earlier, uh, you know, using more robust technology. If you want to manage five different locations, you know, essentially somewhere, that's not easy to do out of a spreadsheet or an access access document. (laughs) You want to have some form of technology that makes that a little bit more seamless. So it's cool to see that you're already putting in place the things that are going to be necessary for that big, big growth. So, yeah, you bet. Uh, so who, so who's the, I, I, I like to ask this, who's the perfect company that you like, or a perfect building that strength would just knock out of the park. If you're, you know, right location, if you're this type of building, like it would be silly and foolish not to use strength. You know, our, our best clients, the projects that seem to fit us the best, um, are really those somewhat challenging projects um, because they're, they're complex. And we see that a lot with science and tech, um, whether it's pharmaceutical testing, food testing, uh, there's so many different systems that have to be integrated, you know, and they need spaces that their people, uh, perform well in. So when we've got interior design and engineers all working together with the architects, we, we really can do some nice things for those companies. And a lot of times we can make something a little nicer, um for the people without having to spend a fortune on it so yeah i mean there's there's a bunch of those companies that would just be a a no-brainer okay well listen up uh science uh buildings uh and, and the rest uh string is is ready to help that's right <laughs> i think, I think it's, it's time for the i think I- but the question that we ask on every show, um, if you go back in time 20 years, what would you tell yourself? So this is 2003. Okay. Yep. And I'm sure you were very, very smart back then. <laughs> sure thought I was, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I look back 20 years, um, I, I think the biggest thing was back then, I, I was not 
comfortable maybe talking about money and and my future and what I was looking for. So I think that if anything, I'd go back and tell myself is that, uh, you know, don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to tell people what you want um, because you never know. They might surprise you and give you more information than you were expecting or, you know, just be able to create a better path for you and make it easier to uh, to succeed. That's a great answer. That's, yeah, for sure. It, it's interesting uh, not talking about money and you uh, sit in the accounting and finance seat. <laughs> quite the change uh, at least talking about money in, in the business sense uh more regular. yeah yeah um, yeah i awesome. guess well I, I i grew up and it was one of those things that just didn't seem appropriate well i was brought up to to talk about how much you made right that was and i know there's other people who talk about it all the time and but that's just not where i was back then um uh, my 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 grandmother, she likes to talk about all the money that her children and grandchildren make. She loves talking about that. She, you know, it's a very much the bragging thing. Um, so we just kind of let her do the talking. And, and we, you know, we let her tell the story however she feels. So it's kind of like a fisherman story. It always gets bigger over time. So like I'm, you know, I'm a billionaire at this point. So it's amazing. Um, you know, with grandma's stories. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um awesome 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 uh we are gonna throw in all the social links and everything into the show notes uh but if somebody wanted to get a hold of you kurt how could they do that oh i think uh best way to catch me is on linkedin uh it's kurt norton get my actual uh url but yeah kurt norton is trying so okay pop up. They'll, they'll find you we'll throw it in the show notes um and then do you have any last uh parting words for the people before we uh sign off um, well, whether you decide to use EOS or not, it really is important to create some goals, write them down, and then uh, break it up into chunks. So, yeah, even if you don't adopt the entire system, those are some key pieces to uh, to succeed in business, I think. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Love it. Um, we had a blast. Listeners, I hope you did as well. Uh, and until next time, adios. adios. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks for listening to Building Scale. To help us reach even more people, please share this episode with a friend, a colleague, or on social media. Remember, the three pillars of scaling a business are people, process, and technology. And our mission is to help the AEC industry protect itself by making technology easy. So if you think your company's technology pillar could use some improvement, Book a call with us to see how we can help maximize your IT and cybersecurity strategy. Just go to buildingscale.net slash help. And until next time, keep, keep building, building scale. scale. <laughs>